Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my handsome Debonair co-hosts Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. Gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context to see if they hold up upon reviewing them. It's a clever title. Uh, you can find us on the web at Yikes. reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at um, contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, we are going to be uh, discussing uh, M. Night Shyamalan's 2001 thriller, Unbreakable. You're in the emergency room in the Philadelphia City Hospital. I'm ask you some questions. Where were you sitting on the train? Against the window. In the passenger car? Yes. You're certain you were in the passenger car? Where are the other passengers? Your train derailed. Took a curve too fast. A second train collided with yours after it derailed. The debris spread over one mile. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you aren't the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. So I chose this movie for a variety of reasons. One, um, M. Night Shyamalan just had a movie that hit theaters. It came out last weekend and did very well. Split just uh, came out. And it uh, is tearing up the box office. It was made for less than $5 million and uh, it grossed 40. So already in profit margin. Um, I find M. Night Shyamalan to be a fascinating person in the sense that uh, his career is very interesting to me. He is yeah. the, uh, he's the, he's the um, prototypical Icarus figure, right? Like he is, he flew too close to the sun yeah. <laughs> and then crashed and burned. He, sure uh, he, uh, he had a couple movies and then in 1999, after his two feature, first two feature films, he made The Sixth Sense, which was one of the biggest cinematic successes of all time both critically and financially yeah. it was nominated for an Oscar it was nominated for best director best screenplay and then after that he followed it up with two major hits Unbreakable uh, which didn't make as much money but uh, was a big hit uh, Signs which was a mega hit and then things started to fall off the deep end he made The Village and then he followed it up Lady with in the uh, water, Lady right? in the Water yeah. and then he followed it up with the worst movie of all time, The Happening, and uh, <laughs> is that the worst movie of all time? Well, then he de- then he decided to uh, hit uh, even further, make the <laughs> even worse movie of all time, Avatar. The uh, oh, sorry, The Last Airbender, yes. which is based on uh, the Avatar Nickelodeon series. Uh-huh. And then he was kind of in the doghouse. He, uh, he After Earth. Well, he wrote After Earth. He didn't direct. Uh, Wait, yes, he did. He directed After Earth. He did. I'm looking at it right now. He oh directed my. it. Yeah. So 
Sorry, that, that I never saw the movie, but that's supposedly terrible. And he uh, was kind of in the doghouse, and then he found this guy named um, uh, Jason Blum from the Blumhouse Films. And the Blumhouse model, I don't know if... Are you guys familiar with the Blumhouse model at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Activity, right? A lot of low-budget movies. Yeah, so their no, whole philosophy not, the is that they don't... <laughs> their whole philosophy is that they only give uh, $5 million or under to make a movie. All their movies have to be under $5 million. Um, so all the movies they make are tend to be genre exercises, and they tend to be very cheap to make. And that way... Um, if a movie doesn't do well that they make, it's not like a huge loss in return of investment. Uh, but what they end up doing is these movies tend to make a lot of money. Like they've done all the paranormal activity movies, which have grossed millions of dollars on very little budgets. Uh, and Anant Shyamalan did a movie last year called The Visit, or two years ago, uh, The Visit, which is a found footage uh, movie. Did you guys see The Visit at all? I did. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I can't even remember heard if it was of it. last year or the year, but I think it was. I think it was actually two Halloweens ago. So it was oh yeah, about sorry. A year ago, yeah. Um, and I, I actually enjoyed the visit. Uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't horrible. And uh, I have not seen Split yet, but I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my thing about M Night Shyamalan. I think that he's a really good. He's a director that makes schlocky films, but makes them well. And he got un, uh, unfairly put into this bucket as an art, art like a. European artist, artistic sensibility type filmmaker and he kind of got uh, screwed uh, as a result of that mm-hmm. like he did the thing that fear I'm scared of the most he did the best thing he's ever going to do right out of the gates like, and you then, gotta start off crappy M. Night well you mean you have to build right. to your point uh, you have to build to your, your apex and he did not do that right, well I mean, there are a lot of filmmakers who kind of came out of the gate with a you know a critically praised movies and, and didn't go on to uh Hit the, the depths. Well, you could argue that he, that, uh, that, he is, that he has hit. You could argue that last week's film Gattaca uh, yeah. by uh, Andrew Nichol. Uh, would yeah, but fall he, I wouldn't say no, no. I would, I would say you would compare it to. Well, yes, he 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 hit some. That guy did have success early on and, and has gone on to, you know, weaker weaker films, but not in the same way. You know, not in like the epic legendary flops that we that we're you okay. know, talking about now. The lasting Airbender and the happening. I mean. Those movies are referenced for, uh, you know, their... Horribleness? Their horribleness. <laughs> well, Mike, my question for <laughs> you is... circles all the time. When did you fall off the M. Night Shyamalan train? Oh, boy. And did you ever get back on? Chugga, 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 chugga. Mike. I guess I saw... I, 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 <laughs> Wake up, Mike. Yeah, no, cause I, I haven't seen... Uh, I, saw, I saw... Okay, let me actually say something instead of just saying what I saw <laughs> or didn't see. So... <laughs> great Who's on first, Mike? It's a great podcast. I, I saw... The Village uh, in theaters, and I liked it, actually. I didn't really have any issue with it. I think people were, were hating on it because it was too predictable. Um, I still thought there were parts of it I liked, and it's been a while, but I remember, you know, I, I didn't hate that one. Um, and then I just didn't see Lady in the Water. It seemed intriguing, and I wanted to see it. I just didn't. And then uh, that was it. I haven't seen anything else since. Um, Devil, I, I saw recently. I saw the trailer for that. Well, he like, oh, produced that. I don't think he directed that one. Yeah, but he was right. he was involved in that. I think you're right. Oh, was he a producer or something? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but aside from that, yeah, nothing really else. I think that, uh, that Village was the last thing I had seen of his. But I, I liked all of this stuff previously. And I think the reason why I hadn't seen anything else was that people were saying it wasn't good. I remember hearing about Lady in the Water, and it was like, nah, not that great. And The Happening came out, and it was getting ripped apart. And I think from that point, I was just like, I guess he's just not good anymore <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I guess he's like expired milk I don't know expired milk huh um, well there you go um, Mike I'm not sorry Dave did you uh, were you like so 
I was a big fan of M. Night Shyamalan in high school. I, I considered him to be my favorite director in high school. Hmm. And then keep in mind, I'm 16, so I have no idea, like, I haven't seen that many movies. So you mean for the period uh, where, he, you know, from Sixth Sense through Sixth Sense, the Village? Sixth maybe? Sense through the Village, he was my favorite director, uh, well. um, which proves that I had no taste. But <laughs> no, 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 not true, not true. Not true. I mean, he... Well, did you uh, did you ever hold him in that kind of no, reverence? No, no. I've I've always been back and forth on the guy, you know, and I, I felt a little sorry for him when he got so beat up over over, um, you know, a lot of the movies that came out in the uh, lower points of his career. But at the same time, I remember thinking. Uh, so I saw The Sixth Sense. And I remember getting all these all these great reviews. But I also remember at the time my favorite critic was this guy James Berardinelli. Have you ever have you ever read his stuff? And a lot of real views. He's he one of these. He's one of like the original internet. Critics you used to when you were, if you were on Yahoo in 1994 and you were looking for movies, there were only a handful of them you could actually. It was just find. you and that and, guy, and it, he was one of the like the, the ten movie critics that you could actually find. Um, and I remember him just giving like a blistering review of, of the Sixth Sense while everyone else was just you know singing the movie's praises. And, and so I think that tainted my opinion of the Sixth Sense just slightly. Just when, when what I did watched you have it, to say about it? Cause I, I don't I remember. It, it just well, I went back and I read it recently just because I was curious after watching Unbreakable. And I was like, well, what is it? What, did, what, did, what was this guy's problem with the Sixth Sense? And I agree with almost nothing. Nothing he said about the Sixth Sense. <laughs> although I don't, I still, I don't love the Sixth Sense. I think it's a very good movie, and I think, um, you know, I, I became intrigued by by uh, what are we going to call him, Knight? Because it's, it's it's a hard name to pronounce. Shyamalan. Is that how you pronounce it? Shyamalan. 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 I've always it's... said Shyamalan, but Sh- Shyamalan. Okay. Well, well, that's Shyamalan. We'll For the sake of the podcast, <laughs> that, consistency, we'll say Shyamalan. That's your issue, man. I don't sorry, know what to tell sorry. you. <laughs> Shyamalan. Sorry. Sorry, M. Knight. Uh, feel free to make a movie outside of Philadelphia sometime. Um, I love that he. Wow. Makes, I love that he makes movies in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do too. But I mean, no, no you don't, they, Dave. You just they don't all have to be in. Phil- they don't all have to be in Philadelphia. I think it's cool that he's giving back to the community where he was. He grew up. And I, he, I think so too. But they don't all have to take place in Philadelphia, do they? Um, sure. Well, Why After not? Earth didn't. That took place. That's, are you after, sure? <laughs> are you sure? Maybe I never saw it. Maybe he crash lands. Maybe he crash lands. I'm, I'm assuming it's After Earth, and they come back to Earth. Um, it was Will Smith, right? He's from Philadelphia. Well, and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is from Philadelphia, right? And no, no, I thought I thought he was too. No, <laughs> are you confusing a fictional character with an actor? Wait, is he actually from Philadelphia? I got to look. This no, up I thought now. he was. We're getting, we're getting way off track. You keep talking. I'm going to figure out where Will Smith was born. <laughs> we're getting way off. And more important news: Where was Will Smith born? Uh, so Unbreakable. I liked it. <laughs> I remember. I, I, I feel. I, I feel like it doesn't really. I feel. I feel the same about it now as I did then. It, Holy it, crap, it Mike! Really, you're right. He was from Philadelphia. Call. I feel like Unbreakable has this undeserved reputation as some unsung masterpiece, unfortunately, for, uh, you know, our listeners. If you're out there and you love this movie, I still think it's good. So, you know, don't don't hate me. Uh, I, I think this movie is, is good. I think uh, there's a lot of flaws in the way that uh, Shyamalan makes makes films and structures stories sometimes. And I think that we can talk about some of those issues that I have with the movie uh, as we go on. But uh, you know, overall, I think this movie is is an interesting take on the on the uh, superhero origin story. I mean, it's so obvious at the end. I mean, there's no question that this is a superhero origin story. There's not a lot of layers to it other than that. And I mean, I know it's supposed to be about a family healing. That's that's uh, part of his, uh, I guess, part of his thing. You know, in, in his first few movies, he was really aping Spielberg with the whole family uh, reconnecting thing. You know, the, Spielberg's early movies were typically about families. Reconnecting through some kind of experience. Um, well, let's back up a little and, bit. And uh, anyway, so Unbreakable. You, <laughs> you know, like Bruce it. Willis. He's a little bit sleepy. Sam Jackson. He's he's interesting. 
got a lot of. I mean, there's, you know, one thing that really uh, hurts this movie for me is the last uh, is the last few minutes of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it really, you know, it it takes. I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking, "What? Come on!" I mean. Yeah. All right. Anyway, All and right. I felt this, and I actually felt kind of the same about the Sixth Sense. There's something that he loves about twist endings, and I, it's like he, it's it's like he, it's like his crack. He can't get away from it. He, he's he's addicted to these twist endings. Well, I mean, and, I would argue um, that. Um, well, okay. Hold and, on. And, and, and certain right. and certain motifs that he uses in, in his movies, like water, like being a dangerous thing. I mean, it's just he's obsessed yeah. with water yeah, as a form of danger. I don't know. Um, I think it's because he's probably afraid of drowning, and it's like in every one of his movies. Now, let me. Okay, anyway, so, so on, on to you. Unbreakable came out in two thousand. Uh, it's uh, basically the plot synopsis as read by, as written by IMDb. Read from IMDb. A man learns something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. Basically, it follows this guy named. Daniel Dunn, correct? Played by Bruce Willis. Uh, David, David. David Dunn, sorry. Yeah. David Dunn, who, uh, played by Bruce Willis, who gets in a, uh, who's um, inside a train at, during a massive accident, and he is the only survivor, and he has absolutely no scratches on him. And he begins to, um, he meets up with this uh, elusive, mysterious character um, played by Samuel L. Jackson named Elijah. Mm-hmm. And Elijah is suffers from a condition where his bones uh, break too easily. Mm-hmm. Um, brittle bones. Brittle bones. <laughs> and he believes, bones. That, he, he believes that... Mr. Brittle Bones. He believes that... It doesn't have the same ring to it. Is that from something? <laughs> Mr. Brittle Bones? No. no, I just made it up. Um, and he oh, uh, believes that Bruce Willis is a physical, um, realistic incarnation of the superhero myth, basically. Um, so, yeah. I quite enjoy this movie. Um, I'm always embarrassed to admit that I really like this movie because Why? I think M Night Shyamalan has a certain stigma where if you like his stuff, you like you have no taste. It's like it's like saying that you enjoy like McDonald's. It's no. like it, it it totally is. Like I'll talk about like he's at least Panera Bread. <laughs> he's 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 maybe Chipotle. I don't know. Maybe not that good. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's very cinematic. I think it's very visual. Uh, it's beautifully shot. I think that some of the directorial choices are really astute and smart and patient and cool. Um, I agree that it has flaws. At the same time, some are really frustrating. Um, well, we can talk about whether yeah, the style gets in the way. Oh, I'll uh, you finish. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. No, I was just going to say that I agree with Dave, and we'll get to the ending. The ending is awful. Um, it's not the twist that's bad. It's how it's handled, and the scene that follows it is just ridiculous. Um but Mike, what do you think about Unbreakable? Are you on the Unbreakable train with me? Uh, yeah, no? Ugh, all it's these so trains. Oh, because the train crash. I know. Oh, do you not get that? You Ugh, just got that now. No. Oh, it all ties boy. together. Survives a train crash. Uh, I, 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 one of the few movies I've seen, I saw it in theaters, and I remember when I saw it then, I was like, "Yeah, okay, pretty cool. <laughs> it's fine, whatever." And then I saw it now, and I'm like, "This movie is great. I love it." Oh um, wow! Yeah, I, I, I think it's. I think it, it ticks all the boxes in the Mirandi subconscious of like epicness oh. and beautifully shot stuff and good versus evil and you know superheroes and all. I, I think it's all the stuff that like I really really like um, is kind of all contained in movie. I like that it's a character piece. Really, you, you think about superhero movies now and it's all so bombastic and big. Um, I like how small this movie is. I like how you know really the only action scene for the most part's really at the end the big fight at the end um in the house and it's really over pretty quickly um because i think it's with a character that doesn't even have any real effect on the plot basically right exactly it's like his first basically his first um you know uh his first fight his first foray into being a superhero 
Um, but I like that about it. I, I, I like, I guess that's one of the things you guys are citing that maybe you, you don't like. Um, I, I love the pace of it. I like that it's plodding and it's slow and it's meditative and it's it's internal. I, I like all those things about it. I like, and I like that it's it's about his character and how he's handling the fact that he's essentially a god. Like, you know, he has all these amazing abilities that he's maybe sort of buried in his subconscious that he doesn't want to really address the fact that He's never been injured, never been sick. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know about you guys, but if I've never been sick in my life, I would be very aware of that. If I kind of walked out of a yes. car crash and did all these, I would be very aware of that stuff. So part of me wonders, is that just a mistake in the writing and directing? Or I think there's a lot of little nits. And you could say this about all Shyamalan stuff, whether it be Signs or Sixth Sense. There's a lot of things that just don't really add up when you think but about I, them. But I think you can probably <laughs> find a reason. Like I, I, The way I look at that is almost like it seems like he's trying to... Um, and maybe I was just sold on it from Bruce Willis. I you know, I never really liked Bruce Willis growing up because um, he always seemed like a just the action movie guy. Um, but he's had some really, really good roles that always surprised me that he has such depth to him. Because um, I, I guess I just put him in that box. I just think of him as... Even though Die Hard I really liked, and I think he does a really good job in Die Hard, I just, action hero is always how I think of him. And then he has a movie like this where I, he seems much more soulful, and, and I, I think so anyway. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, to me, I think he sells the fact that maybe he didn't remember this stuff because he just pushed it. I mean, the whole the whole movie is really about his own repression of his awareness, right? His self-awareness of the fact that he can do these things, but he kind of is ignoring them because of because of his wife basically he wanted to get married to her so he kind of pushed aside all these other things that he can do because he wanted to you know get married to her and have a family and how by doing that he pushed away the thing that eventually came back to haunt him and now he's all depressed and he's upset and there's a lot of stuff wrong in his life because he's not paying attention to what he should be doing it's kind of how i've looked at this um so I think yeah, it's, it's like it's like a guy. It's like he's uh, overcoming his depression. Right. Yeah. yeah. So That's I, what the movie really is. Actually, yeah. It's the, it's the character journey of a man who basically it's the story. It's my story right now. It's a man who's depressed with his life, and then yeah. find and finds a, re, a renewed purpose right. by the end of it. I think it's a lot um, of people's stories, and I think it's anytime anyone has had anything where they want to do something great with their life, and then kind of decided that, hey, you know what? I really need a, just a good job, and I'm not going to take the risk, and I'm not going to, you know. And I, I recognize, this, recognize this now because, you know, having just gone freelance, it's something that I'm like, God, I wish I had done this years ago. I feel so much more content with my life. And I think I was the the sad, waking up, depressed guy for the last, like, four or five years of my life. Because I feel and like... And Ivan is your Mr. Glass. <laughs> right. Well, you too, Dave. Both of you. Oh, thanks. Yes. Mr. Brittlebones. <laughs> and I am Mr. Brittlebone. <laughs> I think this movie would be a hundred times better if at the end he's like, they call me Mr. Brittlebone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I think, I, and I like that. I like the fact that if like the, the idea of, you know, not fulfilling your potential and in and, and some way knowing it too, like feeling like maybe you're too afraid to take the risk of doing something. Um, I, I, maybe that resonated with me, but I just, I like the, you know, the good versus evil thing is just, is awesome. Him finding all the bad people and then like, Hunting down the one really big bad guy was I, I liked it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just I I, I I think it's again the gladiator kind of syndrome where for some reason gladiator just gets me or I get it. I guess it's yeah. the same thing here. I don't I don't think that to the average person this would be an amazing movie, but for me it just really really worked. Hmm. Yeah, and um, again I um, I think it's a it's a film that's very uniquely positioned in history in the sense that. 
I feel like this movie can only come out in 2000. Like, you can't have this movie come out now because we have been so oversaturated with superhero right, stories. Right, and of, all are, di- of all different types, of all, of, 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 When Doctor Strange is a headlining character, <laughs> like, right. that's a character that is not an A-list Marvel character. Yeah. Or Ant-Man gets his own movie. Right. We've exhausted superhero movies. This, this, this movie comes out before... Um, the Spider-Man, the 2003 Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Came out the same year as X-Men, the first, which I would really argue is the uh, heralded the comic book movie boom. Well, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's Brian Singer's X-Men movie, right? Yep. Uh, because though that's the start of superhero movies not being campy. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But we, we're so used to that now. And we're even used to lo-fi superhero movies like Chronicle and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. We, we, have, we have done superhero movies to the point. Or Heroes, the TV show, for instance. Where, yeah. You know, it is. It has just been so done. So he really got this out at the right time in the yeah. sense that it felt very novel, right? It felt novel to have a gr- like a grounded superhero story. And when I say grounded, this isn't a movie about a guy jumping from buildings to building, and and uh, there, there are no major set pieces in the movie. It almost feels like it would have been a pretty cheap movie to make, apart from the, the biggest stars. set piece is, uh, is his, Mr. Brittlebones' car. The padded interior, which you see for like one second. I really wanted to spend uh, that. Is an, I'm well, glad the, this is sticking. Well, the, pr- the production design on Elijah's, uh, Samuel L. Jackson character around him is pretty amazing. Yeah, his his, is this is what he, his, he's, uh, I mean, as someone who loves color in movies, this is a movie that is very color. Oh, that's, and I think uh, that's one of the reasons there's significant use of color, and there's also some really, really interesting framing, like literally framing shots. Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, want to talk about the main... that it's shot very deliberately and very interesting. Uh, it is shot very deliberately. It's shot interestingly. O- it's, I guess <laughs> it's, it's often shot through reflection, which is obviously Mr. Glass. You know, he they called me Mr. Glass, yeah. so that re- that's the obvious symbolism. But it's there is so much reflective shots, well, mirrors, so it, televisions, it's two, so everything. It's, it's reflecting shots for I think I think and I this is, I think Mr. Glass is reflection, and I think um, what's his name is inside of boxes, so he has bars on either side of him usually. Um, uh, David, David Dunn, yeah. He's always got some kind of like a, he's in a doorway or some kind of a frame fra- around yeah. him. So it's always mm-hmm. that what he's trapped, I think he's kind of kept in a box, literally, right? And I think you got Mr. Glass who is constantly looking at himself, trying to figure himself out, trying to, and he's also in, in a way because they're always these boxes. They're always warped. They're always these like strange um, containers. And I, I think, I'd like to go back and look at each each shot, but I believe the first shot that changes that is when they are in the stadium they're talking like in the tunnel in the concrete tunnel it starts out where that mm-hmm. shot is very there's like a big wall on either side of them and they're kind of stuck in there together and the shot kind of backs up a little bit and widens up and I think it's when they kind of both start to come to some kind of a realization and then from that point forward all the shots get much bigger and the moment when he's in what is equivalent of Philadelphia's Grand Central Station touching all the people that shot Penn is, Station yeah what's that it's a he's in Penn Station oh, Penn, yeah no that's uh Phil- Isn't Penn Station in Philadelphia? No, it's in New York. Maybe there's one in. There's, there's one in New York. I know that. No, there, you know it might be Union Station. Uh, that sounds about oh. right. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, th- that shot is super wide. Like, there's a lot of much more wide shots from that point forward. I think. Um, no, it's just called the 30th Street Station. Sorry. Okay. okay. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, apologies to our Philadelphia <laughs> brothers out there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a beautifully shot movie. Um, uh, Dave, what are your thoughts about 
Like, so the movie's got this very patient style. Like, there's that shot in the train in the opening of the movie where it first introduces Bruce Willis' character. It's one long shot of the dialogue mm-hmm. sequence. Between two seats. Between two seats from right. the perspective of the girl looking at him. Right. Do you like that kind of filmmaking, or is it too showy for you? No, is I it... like that. I like that for that scene. Uh, and, I, and I appreciated that he didn't show the uh, the train crash. I was thinking about this on the way over. Would, would this have been uh, more... Was he? Did he just kind of... Uh, could he, was it that he just couldn't figure out how to show it or that he that he uh, really is that I'm not sure I, I'm assuming maybe that's just the way he put he wrote it in the script or maybe that's from the point of view of the character he wouldn't have experienced the train crash he probably just would have gotten knocked out and then woken up I guess exactly yep. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure why he didn't actually take the opportunity to show you know he probably had a was offered all the money in the world to make this movie, and it's, he, I, he I decided not to show the train crash. Right, and that's, I don't know and I think that's a good choice because for me, I think when you do that, it makes the movie so much bigger, and it's a lot more about it's more spectacle versus the not it's, necessarily. It's, no, absolutely. Sometimes, absolutely. Some, some, I mean, in some in some cases, less is more. I, I totally well, and, agree. And in most cases, all less about is being more. Trapped actually. inside of his head, really, for the most part, and what he's going through. So, from his point of view, that doesn't he doesn't experience that train crash. He just wakes up. I, I, but it doesn't really. It doesn't really. Uh, the one thing. Okay, so not showing the train crash for me. One thing it does is um, doesn't really get across the horror of the train crash. Like you don't even see much of the aftermath. You see the the overhead shot of the train, and you hear the doctors talking about it. You see a little bit of the guy not breathing, in you know the, the way the, he's framed in front of shot. him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the, that shot. Yeah, that was like one of the so, two I mean, or three things I specifically remember about that movie. Yeah. Yeah, so it's you know it, it was it was interesting the way he showed it, but then at, at the same time watching it now, I'm like, well, you know, it didn't really it didn't really get me emotionally at, at all because you know I'm, I'm not you know I don't have any uh, like I don't, I don't really I don't really know this character well enough to have any emotional like I don't really care well, I, about well, him quite I yet. Think, but you meet, I, you meet I, the little girl, you meet the little boy, the two of them are sitting right. in front of you, meet the woman yes. in the train, and now you know all three of those exactly. people are dead. And I think exactly. well, yes, but yes, you know they're dead, but you haven't actually. Right and why? You know, but there's not there's not there's like not even a, a moment. No, I just feel like there needs to be a beat in the movie that 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 uh, lets you see the horror of the crash, no, which I think that's the which which which, I think which, that's, it, that's which the... on the which in which the effect of which would be, uh, you know, really having you uh, feel for this character and like wow, I survived. You really feel his guilt that he's supposed to be, you know, you know nah, who's supposed think, to get. I don't know, man. I think that's the, the conventional move, and I think I don't know. For me, I think that would sort of. I cheapen. don't think so. If, if you see the, the the train crash, the conventional the, the conventional move might be like showing him coming out of the like magic, like 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 the the seats like bump up against him, and like you know he flies well, that, out of the train well, and would, lands and would, rolls in the gravel or something. But that would ruin the movie in the sense that that you, would ruin. The you movie. can't you can't show that he's unbreakable. Right. They, I think that the uh, the defining question of the movie is well, you know, he's unbreakable because he survived the train crash. Yeah, but I, I think that there is a sense of doubt yeah, going really into the sure, movie. Right. I don't think that there, there is a sense. The movie doesn't become supernatural until, mm. uh, I think, the third act. Maybe. I think that you could argue that it's all uh, either in his head or he's got lucky or like there. I mean, I, I agree with Mike in the sense that I like this idea of this character being incredibly numb to everything. Yep. Yep. So when this thing happens to him at the end of it, I love the shot where there's like no sound and he's mm-hmm. walking in all the survivor, the families of the, the dead people. Yes. He's walking See? through and they're just looking at him walk by and he's mm-hmm. just numb walking through it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like think, that too. I think it conveys like that this the, character the, is depressed. He is out of touch with who he he's doesn't he's not happy with who he is and I I think it's ballsy not to show the crash I think it would have been really easy to have a fugitive esque crash sequence I agree I agree with you guys I think there should not be there's right I agree with the fact not showing the crash is a great thing but you know something 
you know. But I, uh, but I like it's, it's just it's what? a different way of doing it, you know. And I like that it's different. I like that we don't see any of it. We see nothing. We we don't we barely see the wreckage. And I think the impact you feel, like Ivan just said, is him walking out of the emergency room. And in some way, I feel like he has a, a guilt about it too, because people are staring at him almost like. This son of a Who bitch. The hell is this guy? My wife yeah, but died. Just, but this it, guy lives. Like you know this. Okay. Yes, but there's not enough. There's a, to me. To me, it's it, it's not uh, conveyed, you know, in a way that makes up for the fact that there's no, there's nothing. You know, there, there has to be. You have to either see the horror of the crash somehow, you know, whether it's the aftermath or or during, or you have to really. It really has to convey how the other people are feeling and how he's feeling. Yeah, I, I like that he walks out silently. That's that's conveying his character. His character before the crash was probably already depressed and in a daze, right? Mm-hmm. And, and after, he's, he's the same. But but there's nothing that's really letting us know about how, you know, eventful this was. If there was a train crash where 200 people were killed in your city, I mean, that and, and your family members were killed, I mean, you there, there could be something. There could be a close-up of a few people. You know, there could be um, looking at him. There could be... You know, a few pages in a newspaper showing like some of the horrific deaths or something well, where he's see, talking. Well, we have two scenes that we have. Where the, he's we talking about shot. it, they barely address it. They get home and they don't. And like the first here, here's where we get into some of the problems of the movie for me. Well, hang on, before we get, there, they get, they get home. Quick, hold on, they get, they get home and they, where they have everybody. They're going through <laughs> listing names. They do have that shot where they have all the names of the and chapel. The where they, they like list all the the dead people. Where you're seeing the wreck of the train. There's a shot where he goes to see the wreckage left. But anyway, we got to get to your problem. What's the actual problem here? They go home and. The first thing that he talks about with his wife is about whether he's going to move to New York or not. I mean, it's like, and yes, okay, I I get it. Like your marriage is in shambles, and things there's you know there's there are problems you're dealing with, and now we understand why we're supposed to care about you. You know, but if in real in the real world, and I understand this is a graphic novel, it's she not would never have asked if he got like, the job. But this is supposed to be a grounded movie. Yes, you would. You're, you're not going to go home and talk about whether you're moving to New York or not. You're going to go home and say. Oh my God! Are you okay? Like, how did you survive that train crash? I, no, I agree. <laughs> you know? I, I agree. With, she doesn't bring it up. I agree that there are certain sequences wife, in the yeah, Rob, played Robin by Robin Wright. Wright. Uh, there are certain moments in this movie. I think that I think at, at times I like M Night Shyamalan's dialogue, and at other times I really hate Some it. Of it. And I that's was an example. Really good. Some of it I like so a lot. Wait, what are we talking um, about? So he comes back from the train crash. Right, and they're and, and like, like, he's going upstairs, and she's downstairs. And it's, it's like this like, is like night one after surviving. It's almost like yeah. they picked him up after he was in a little fender bender or something. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hello, can we address the fact that you just <laughs> who survived? Who, who, who talks about it? Well, it's the doctor that's, that's talking to him, saying, "Hey, wow, you survived the train crash. No, 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 you're no, no, the, I mean, the only one." The, when, when he comes home, is, does he? I think doesn't he tell her like, "Hey, I." I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. It's like, so, like no, there's the elephant know. in the room. Well, it actually does matter because if she asks him, that's uh-huh. unrealistic. If he's so numb to it, like this huge event happening, yes. and he says, I didn't, don't think I got the job, yes. then that would make sense. Exactly. We're getting to the, the – the, the, for me, there's two movies happening here. There's the family uh, There's the family movie that where he's having marriage issues and uh, his self-discovery heals the family, and then there's this – other movie where it's him and Sam Jackson and he's, you know, uh, pretending to be his mentor and we know what happens at the end and Bruce Willis is discovering his power. So there's those two movies that are kind of intertwined. The family movie for me just does not work at oh, all. Oh, it does for me. All. And it, it totally works. It does, I mean, it's supposed to work, but it doesn't... It, the one thing... It, it, I, I know what he's doing. He's doing the me. same thing he's doing in The Sixth Sense where, like, that's a movie that has, like, the, where the family dynamic and the healing of the family coming together works for me. And that that's why The Sixth Sense... Uh, you know, I, I feel a little more watching the movie. Like this is a clever movie where I'm like, oh, there's a lot of clever things in this movie, and and I respect it for that, and I enjoy it for that. 
um, and the performances are good and the filmmaking is good. But the family stuff that worked in The Sixth Sense, for me, does not work here. No, it does work. The, the um, thing what I think what? needed was is I don't think we know what the state of him and his son is. There's a couple of clues here and there, but nothing emotional. So we know that he's had a bad relationship with his son because he, the the scene where the kid has the, pulled a gun on him and he's talking to him about like, hey... Like remember, we're just starting to get become friends again. We're just starting to become friends again. When he goes to the school and he mentions the woman, talks to the woman who used to be his teacher, and he says like, "Oh, my wife usually handled all you know all of this stuff, like all this stuff for my son. I don't, I never did any of this." Mm -hmm. You don't really see much of that, so I just assume they always had a decent relationship. We don't see anything in the beginning of the movie where they seem detached or he seems like he's not talking to him. So that's for me. I wasn't really clear on that. It always just seemed like they were relatively close to me. I think what we're supposed to infer as the audience is that. Uh, he has been detached from both his wife yes. and his son. Right. Yeah. He's, and he's, he's kind he's of withdrawn. alienated them both. Yes. Um, and the, I get the, that. And I like the the actor who plays his son. I thought he was yeah, good. I thought too. So too, uh, yeah. Spencer Treat Williams. Yeah, I think he's yeah. good too. Um, the thing is, I, I kind of agree with what both of you all are saying. I think the family stuff does work for me in this movie, but I do think Robin Wright's character is underwritten. I don't think she's given a whole lot to do. She's not, but I Other, think when she does, she does well. Um, yeah, well, it's she's a great actress because she's a great actress. <laughs> sure, and she's sure, really good in this, I, I think, and she's got dark hair in this movie, which is great. Um, I, I think she's she, got what dark hair. Oh. She she often doesn't have dark hair in movies. Um, no, I was I I I, I think that they, they kind of touch upon it a little bit uh, when they go on that first date together, and he talks about. I think that's a real okay. So here's an example of good M Night Shyamalan writing. I think I think the story Bruce Willis tells her about how did you know that we were having trouble for the first time, and he said I woke up from a bad dream and I didn't wake you up so you could tell me it would be yeah, okay. I, like that too. I think that's a really nice piece of dialogue. Yeah. I think that other this moments, movie has some spectacular highs. I will say. I mean, there's you know. Well, the thing is, like uh, some of Elijah's speeches, I really dig. I, yeah. I think that he has a way of speaking that is really a uh, comic booky for better sense of the word but it works for this kind of quirky yeah, yeah, insane yeah. character um so i really kind of i think that i don't think m night Shyamalan's a bad writer i i think he's actually pretty decent i think that uh there are moments that don't quite work as well i would say maybe he's a better writer of scenes than and then overall movies maybe but i think <laughs> the sixth sense is one of the best written movies ever i think structurally that movie's really good like I, I, I think that movie totally works. That there is no twist. I still, yeah, I agree. But the, but the twist is a major part of it. And it, it is, but it, it comes in rushed at the end, which I feel like. Oh, I don't think so at all. I really like the way he handles yeah. the twist. The twist happens in like the last five minutes. Yeah, that's right. uh, because it because it doesn't need to. I think that proves that the movie would work even uh, if it didn't. I'm, happen. I'm a bigger fan of twists when they when they leave room to breathe. Like say the like Fight Club, for instance, where there's oh, a twist mean, in that movie. Oh, you mean like uh, uh, the Usual Suspects, where it ends three minutes later with Kaiser. Yeah, Sose for me, it's, it's very similar. Where it's like. Yeah, you, are I mean, you invoking Prometheus? Three minutes later. <laughs> are you invoking Prometheus? No, law? I'm just saying twists work are, are more interesting when the movie has like, even say something like The Empire Strikes Back, where there's a twist. And you've already established you know, those characters in another movie. You know that movie still has another 15. So you minutes like left. you like uh, you like a mid third act twist. You don't want a late third act twist. Yeah, well, because at least you give you give the movie a little well, room to breathe. So that like you know what do you do after the after the twist is revealed? Do you well, do? you do a lot apparently. Like in a movie like we discussed, like with Fight Club, you have that twist where it's like okay, the character, uh, the two characters are actually one character. You don't just end the movie five minutes oh, okay. later. You actually yeah. figure out. So what's know. the character going to do now? I think it depends on the movie. And I, I, I with here's the problem with Unbreakable. It's mm -hmm. not that the twist comes at the end. It's where it happens and how it happens. Right. So the big reveal of this movie is that Samuel L. Jackson is an insane he's the it basically this is an origin story of a superhero and a supervillain right. and Samuel L. Jackson is a supervillain uh, in this story and he has perpetrated all these disasters looking for the one the mm -hmm. the Bruce Willis type character the problem is it happens in such an undramatic setting it's and just I've, like 
And, and then a bunch it, of flashbacks like this is what I did. But the, but it, were, but know. on top of that, to make it even worse, it has the worst like it, it uses title cards. It has title cards oh, which title with cards. freeze frames. Terrible. It is so yeah, bizarre. Like it's so bizarre. And I, I think he's trying to reference comic books is what he's trying to do. Like it's the last frame of a. Comic it's almost book. like it's almost like the movie was due the next day, and he said, "We're we're not done. All right, fine. Just put some text on the screen." It's and that's so it. confusing. <laughs> I think he's going for a comic book vibe, but it is so bizarre. And I I, I I often wonder if there was a better like if there was. I don't want them to have a big fight sequence. That's that's no. stupid. Like that's dumb. No, like, I agree. There doesn't need to be an action sequence, but there's something about that ending where <laughs> if they just you need don't it. need that title. You don't need the, <laughs> like who needs to know like who knows if we're going to see another Unbreakable. I mean, I guess now we are. Well, but so I mean... this is this is big news. Uh, <laughs> you know, the reviewed podcast is on the cusp of pop culture <laughs> because the because announced edge. today, M Night Shyamalan, uh, the Blinding Edge, as it were, uh, M Night Shyamalan. That's his production company. M Night oh. Shyamalan's um, next film, following Split, will be a sequel to Unbreakable. Something yeah. that he has teased forever. I don't know how that works. I don't know why that movie needs to be like made. It. No, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, it really bothers me that he's making this movie. Because and I the think only he's way you go it... from here is bigger. And I don't think it worked, the movie where it works small. Exactly. It, I uh, doubt it. I, I doubt he would go that much bigger. I, I don't know what else you do with this movie. He's already made the small character piece with this character. And I think what you, is he going to do? Have, so what do you know. do with, with um, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson? He just becomes a supervillain. I, I, I like the fact that he's a good guy for most of the movie. In fact, even at the end, he's a great guy. Like You're not even sure, okay, is he really... My gut tells me it'll be something having to do with his kid. You know, I mean, he's gonna try. He's gonna try to think of something different. It's not gonna be about the two of them. It's gonna I, I just be, don't be see about, what uh, he can there'll do. Be there'll be somebody else characters. that has some kind of power right. or whatever. The the, the thing is, uh, I really like like Mike said. I just like the smallness of this yeah. movie. I, I I I do too. It's like my <laughs> I don't know. I, I really dig that about it. Um, it has it, it amassed kind of this interesting cult following. Um, uh, you know, Patton Oswalt is right, the comedian. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He uh, he. Uh, there's this really uh, fascinating uh, Entertainment Weekly article about Unbreakable, about the creation of it, and it has amassed this cult following with certain superhero fans. And Pat Oswalt considers this to be one of the best superhero movies ever I made. Agree, yeah. um, and he and he kind of like writes why he feels that way. Um, the thing is, if M Night Shyamalan, you know, follows up Signs, which was a mega hit, which is a movie I don't love, but I actually still enjoy Signs. I think Signs is a pretty decent movie. Yeah, Signs is, a, yeah. Um, I mean, it's about as good as this, I would say. Um, well, no, I like this better. Like and, this and, better. And, and it has some of the same flaws, like where the where like the ending is just like, oh come on. Well, that's the thing about the <laughs> thing about M Night Shyamalan is that it, it just pisses me off that a guy with this much talent, because mm-hmm. he is. There are certain sequences that he shoots in signs and in Unbreakable that mm-hmm. I think are incredibly made. Like mm-hmm. just they show that the guy just understands movie making, like speaks the language of cinema, as right. it were. Which is why but, he was so hyped at but, after but the success. But how, how can a guy with that good of instincts be like, you know what? Uh, it's gonna. I'm gonna make this ending where the aliens are allergic to water. Like I, that's a thing that kind of like but drives me nuts so, about but him. The thing about that though is it's not much. I'll different tell you why. You think he's about a little world. bit up his own ass. Is why. <laughs> I don't think he can be anymore. I think he's been humbled to where he can't be up. Well, his own he ass. was. He was from. The, so here's here's one thing I forgot to mention about my experience with him was. Oh, um, you met him. I remember. No, I didn't meet him. <laughs> No, I didn't mean. <laughs> I would love to meet him. I think it, I, I honestly, he's one of the top ten people in Hollywood. I'd love to meet. Hang on, Dave, wait, I think wait, he'd Dave, be a really we, interesting guy to talk to. So sorry, before go ahead. we go, hang on, Dave. I, I, I just want to come back. We criticize the ending of Signs, but when you think about War of the Worlds, it's basically the exact same thing. Yeah, the thing about but it's a little uh, more interesting, and it's a little and it's older. It's like you know, but it, it's 
it's been done, you know? Well, here's the thing. I like, I like the concept of signs. I, I, I like this idea that signs is all about fate, right? It's about right. faith. The whole movie is about faith and it's about believing that things happen for a reason is what right. that movie is really about. Right. So like, you know, I, I, I like that aspect of it. I like this idea that it's about, uh, you know, everything coming together. I think that kind of, you know, you know, whether or not you're a spiritual person or not, I think that's interesting. I just think that the mechanism by which he goes about it's ridiculous. And, and right, you could argue right. the same thing about Unbreakable. So Samuel L. Jackson's character in this movie commits only, he, I mean, only, he commits three major atrocities, right? But other <laughs> he's pe- a terrorist. He's a terrorist. But of the people he's killed, he's killed like maybe 800 people, maybe mm-hmm. at, the, at the high end. Mm-hmm. So that's not a very good subsample of the six billion people that are in the world. So if he's trying to find the one person out of six billion, isn't he like really setting his sample size very, very well, low? Well, I mean, he's doing like, what he can. I mean, give the guy a break. I mean, he's a plane. I mean, geez, dude. He's Mr. Brillbone. What's he going to do? <laughs> yeah, he's also limited. I just, I mean, he's doing what he can with, with what he's got, you know? I just think that the 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 overarching idea of his plan is a little ridiculous, but you know no, whatever I, he's kind see, of he's but he's so. also I, insane. I, I, so and, you and could the thing about that twist is I think they set it up really well because when he's talking in the, previously when he's saying like I watch the news during these disasters, I listen, I try to find things like. Um, and by the way, there's other there's other things on his wall. Like it's not just those are only the things he's done. But there's other like he's like he every time there's like a a massive tsunami or right, something right, right. that kills a bunch of people. Kind of but I think it's interesting that that you hear about in the beginning and he, he speaks almost with this reverence about the fact that like I always listen I, I knew someday I would find one and I think it makes everything so much more twisted when you know that oh my god he was causing I like that twist and I also like the way they reveal it like it's not like he finds pa- like he does see the papers on his wall but it's you know he has that power if he touches people he knows that they do bad well, why things didn't, okay so why didn't Bruce Willis ever feel it prior to he never that touched him. if he has this he has to he's touch never them. touched him the whole no, movie yeah, he never that was, yeah that makes I mean it it, it you know, it, it plays by its own rules. He okay, does, he, he doesn't ever touch. Okay, well, but but how does Bruce Willis not know that he has this ability prior? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does he not know that he can send? Again, maybe he, he doesn't just lying he to himself. It. I don't think he really understands. He says like he bumps into that guy. And he's like, I just saw a picture. I don't know. It's like maybe I'm just going crazy. He, this is a man who doesn't who has been pushing things away because he doesn't either is afraid of them or doesn't want to believe them or whatever. But I very easily see why he would not really. I mean, even think about it, guys. I don't know about you. If someone came to me and told me that I could be a superhero, you know how badly I would want to believe it? I'd be like, really? What else can I do? Let's let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. Tell me that I'm a superhero. Yes, I'd love this. Well, it depends on the context, right? Like if someone just came up to you on the street and told you that, you'd probably be like, here's a dollar. Uh... Get, get the hell away. <laughs> but he goes to meet the guy. And he, yeah, he thinks he's crazy. But I think the bigger issue going on here is the fact that he's afraid of it because it was something that he walked away from because he wanted um, he wanted to marry his wife. And then when that didn't work out, it, you got, it's got to make you wonder about his whole view. I didn't, I didn't quite get. I didn't quite get why. You know, so he's in this car accident. So they flash back to this car accident that he survived. He he's in his own, in his head. He's imagined that he was injured. You know, he's he's made up a story about himself being injured, and and that's why he didn't play football, and that's why he's a security guard at a football stadium. I mean. I'm, I was a little confused as so to that, he, what was supposed to actually be happening with his past. Well, so, he basically he knew that he wasn't going to stay with his wife if he played football his whole life, and he also knew that he like he can't get hurt really. So he has this car accident where nothing happens to him, but it's a good it's a way for him to excuse not playing football. He's a star football player, and he just suddenly stops playing. He can say he was injured in a car crash, and no one has to ask any questions. Yeah, about the thing it. the question I had about it is how did he convince everybody else that he was injured enough to stop playing? Like. 
Yeah. The guy asks him if your leg is broken. Okay, you go to a hospital, they x-ray your leg, and you're like, nah, dude, your leg's fine. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I don't know how exactly he pulls that off. Um, I don't either. I, I but guess I, you I, could I, just I, say, like, oh, my back is pinched. I, I, you can you could explain it away. It's possible. You you know, you might just say, like, oh, I don't feel right, or my, my balance is messed up, whatever. Um, the point is, is that he's kind of... He, he abandoned what he was good at because he wanted to be with his wife, and... I think he that slowly ate away at him for a very long time and ate away at his marriage and I think he started turning in on himself and I think that that's why he started disconnecting from her from his son and that's what led to the um, you know the whole issues with them and, and, and their relationship in general and that's why I think too the reason why it's able to work again is because he's starting to open up to his wife again I think he's the problem in the marriage I don't think it was her fault I think it's he started closing himself off so once this yeah, is totally. going on again yeah. and he's starting to kind of get that it, life back into him I think it starts making it more possible for him to actually have a relationship with her where it's not like the two of them just don't get along it's that he's been kind of shoving them away what do you uh, Dave what do you think about Bruce Willis in this role it is a very muted Bruce Willis mm. which is not his go to Bruce Willis is a guy with charisma right like he's yeah, Mr. He's, Die Hard do you like him in this movie I think he's he's okay in this movie I mean I'm, I'm not like a huge fan of the performances in this movie the way I, that I would, you know there's not, there's not really a standout performance in this movie the way there was with Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense you know that was a really great performance I thought and um, you know and it was like Bruce Willis just kind of backed off and let Haley Joel Osment do his thing I would say in the mid '90s, Bruce Willis kind of got into this sleepy mode. He's, he's kind of like a sleepy performer. Well, this a, this whole movie, he's like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just Bruce yeah, Willis. Yeah, I know. He's and, uh, you, you know, wait for him to. I mean, but do you ever? Yes. Do you ever believe That's that basically Bruce Willis. Exist? Oh no, no, no! I mean, Bruce Willis is a good actor. I mean, even when he's, a I little, think he's good in this movie. It's just <laughs> he's good, but it's just you know, it's not like. Um, you know, like it's not a, it's, and maybe it's not a role that requires a lot of charisma, but I also at the same time don't feel like there's a lot of depth to his like performance. Maybe there's depth to the character, but there's not a lot that he brings to the character that I feel like, you know, like really elevates it past, um, you know, what's written on the page. In my opinion, I feel like a different actor might have been able to get further. But at the same time, it's like we have this, you already have this kind of, um, he always, Bruce Willis has this history. Uh, as a, as an icon, as an action hero icon at this point in his career, even though it's only been like you know twelve, thirteen years uh, since Die Hard, and um, it's just you know he brings that I guess the history to the role, but uh, maybe he thinks he doesn't have to bring much much else to it because you know when know, he's man. playing, I, I I see I don't think it's a flashy role, and I think because of that it's hard to he doesn't give him much to really work with, but I I don't know the little bit that I saw. I don't know. For me, it works, and I think maybe it's just because I'm so used to him being so big. It's enough that I, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see him as this kind of broken man and this quiet man and this guy who is like not isn't what I I associate Bruce Willis to be. Um, and I believe that no, he could I, be- I no, I like the I like the role too. I, I I actually do like the stoic performance. I I think that making a stoic character is inherently anti-cinematic because right. nothing's less interesting than a person that's quiet and doesn't say and anything. And I don't like the loners. Like, I, I really just, like, I'm so sick of that character. Like, oh, he's the lone tough guy who can't, like, no one can reach him. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I felt bad for him more than, like, oh, I get it, you're the mm-hmm. tough guy. You're like, because I don't think there was any of these, like, really, like, ostentatious shots of him, like, with this smoldering look, like, 
oh yeah or like it wasn't any of this like really you know i think it well i like the uh so here's what i really like about what m night Shyamalan does in the movie i think he creates set pieces out of small moments Mm -hmm. like the weightlifting scene is a set piece that's a high high and it's and it's like holy crap this guy knows how to direct a movie and Mm then even just the image of what bruce willis's character's superhero outfit where he's wearing like the security guard poncho and the like that image of like him like slowly lumbering through the city it's a cool cinematic image and just this view of uh samuel jackson's character with his crazy hair and his like purple outfits that he's always wearing and like the joker he's purple and green which is just much like the joker i i think that I like how much mileage he gets out of smallness in this movie. Like, there is no major set piece. And even the fight sequence between him and the orange creepy dude, mm-hmm. uh, pedophile man. The guy who has, uh, his, I'm assuming he's killed and raped some of the yes. family. And, yeah, and, uh... Uh, the, the most awful human being imaginable <laughs> right. uh, that Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis happens to stumble on. Uh, the... Even that fight sequence is mainly shot from like single singular angles. Like it's, it's, it's one, I think it's, it's just one. I think shot. it's just one shot. It's a one or yeah. yeah. It stays low and it goes high. Um, so he's uh, I don't know. It's just again. Uh, I think he's an interesting filmmaker, and I think this movie is really well shot. And I almost wish he didn't make as many movies as he did because I feel like it's not trendy anymore to admit that M Night Shyamalan is good at what he no, does. No, I think he's good. Like, did you? Well, did, I mean, he's making a comeback. Apparently, did you? So. Did, I mean, uh, I, uh, thing I point out is that the visits a found footage movie. I mean, right? Yeah, the visits a lot better than. Uh, uh, I, I know I saw the happening and. Um, well, the, the happening air, is air the, I saw the happening in theaters because mm-hmm. I was I was still convinced that M Night Shyamalan was really talented, and the happening has some of the worst. I, maybe it's Mark it Wahlberg in that movie. With, with you, can't blame, you cannot blame Mark Wahlberg. There's for the something about the acting of everybody in The Happening. It's like no one knows what kind of movie well, they're who's in. Who's responsible for all the acting yeah. in the movie? The actors. Well, that, but okay, but that's a very. That's a very <laughs> yes, indi- yes, indi- yes, individually the actors. Inter- it's an interesting. The director is the one who gets to, to direct the actors. It's in. interesting that you say that though, because if he's not good at directing actors, how does he get Haley Joel Osment to give that performance? Because Haley Joel Osment has, has, was in other movies was not nearly as good. Uh, uh, I, uh, AI? I, did you see good if, Secondhand good? Lions? Uh, no. No. I did <laughs> but, not see any other Haley Joel uh, that I can think I of. I guess any, my point Haley is he's obviously somewhat good at working with actors if he's able yeah. to get elicit certain performances. He was in Forrest Gump. Sorry. He is in Forrest Gump, yeah. Um, but, okay, so The Visit... I keep on coming back to this movie is a found footage movie, but even though it's a found footage movie, it's mm-hmm. got certain sequences that go beyond like a, a paranormal activity template that mm-hmm. are very stylish and really well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that movie has a very predictable twist for me. I thought it was mm-hmm. like a very, but I thought it was very entertaining and I thought it was creepy. I, yep. He's good at building suspense effective. and tension. It was effective, which you can't say about uh, Airbender or The Happening or, or... yeah. But anyway, uh, to some extent, the village. I, would I say. don't know why I'm trying to defend him so heartily <laughs> uh, because I know he's made bad movies. But uh, no, but I think it's you know how but you know how hard People it is to make a movie. Somebody and they just like, oh yeah, my Shyamalan sucks, and it's just because of you know a couple movies, and then it, it sours everybody on the stuff he had made in the past. When when he has some really good stuff to to look at, I think he is good. I think you know we never really know what's going on behind the scenes. Was he in a bad place personally, and that caused him to make some really really poor career choices? 
Um, I think he was in too good of a place is, is probably the issue. I think he's like, I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm just going to keep on doing this. Right, and, and I think like, you start uh, trying hard. It's less hard because you think you're awesome, and then you start really... Or yeah. everyone around you is like, yeah, you're right. This is great. Like, you just... Uh, you surround Oh, Lady yourself. in the Water. We forgot to mention that one. That was we, also we, kind we, of a disaster. It was. Uh, Lady in the Water is one of the strangest movies, and I have no idea how a major studio put it out. I don't think I ever made it through all the way, all the way through that I one. I saw it in theaters as well. <laughs> but the thing about Lady in the... There was a the, good book written about that movie, actually. Um, how did this get made? It's called about the making. No, uh, no, 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 an actual. <laughs> it's about the producer, the Disney producer that greenlit it, right? And she talks about how crazy. Like, it's amazing to me. He had enough clout in his name to get that movie made because, holy shit, it's it is the most bizarre thing that a studio ever the made. The man who the man who heard voices. Yeah, there it is. That Boom. Is, that's that's the name of the book. Anyway, uh, he's a fascinating character. He's also, uh, uh, you know, he. He's there's not many very famous Indian directors or directors of Indian heritage I would say in mainstream American filmmaking and he's one of the few. Uh, and he's in every single one of his it, movies, right? He's the drug dealer in this one. Yeah, he's in every one of his movies, I believe. Yeah, I don't I have think no he, problem. He's fine. As he's not like a he, he stands out because like oh, he's no Terrence. Who's that Indian guy? <laughs> he looks different than just about everybody else. His movies are full of white people. Well, you know? I mean, he, he shoots it on like the blue collar city. Well, I guess Philadelphia isn't a blue collar city, but it's always funny that it's like, oh, that's M. Night Shyamalan. Like yeah, the, uh, I, in the village, in the village, he plays a police officer at the end. It's like, oh, it's M. Night Shyamalan. There he is. He's not a bad uh, guy, not a bad actor, though. Whereas like Tarantino, every time I see him in a movie, I want to yeah, punch him I in agree the with face. That. I think he's a yeah. lot more subtle about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give you that. Tarantino is not a good actor, and Shyamalan is, Shyamalan is definitely better. I mean, at, uh, really w- w- the way he puts himself in the movies, right? Yeah. Definitely much better. Um, but still, I mean, it's, again, it's like you know, we keep I can, I can keep going back to the, the stuff that doesn't work with this movie. Maybe I should sing some of the praises of the, well, no, of the I think movie, we have, which I think I'm curious what else, what else we didn't we didn't like about it because we've well, been kind of. I, I was gonna ask, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the whole. Uh, the, and I feel like this was a new thing at the time. There weren't too many movies using time, um, the time shifting technique, time remapping. We call it an after, as a motion graphics designer, time remapping, um, where it's like you know you, you, the footage is uh, moving slowly, it's ramped, or, yeah, or it's, it's, it's time, right, it's ramped where where things speed up and slow down. I feel like the late '90s and the early 2000s it were kind of a, da- it feels dated in this right movie. when you watch it in this movie, when did, when it feels dated. There's a sequence in the in 30th Street Station when he's at the train station where it like goes quickly oh, from yeah, one yeah, person yeah. to yeah. the next. Like everyone's and walking fast. It's, that it's music funny. is very very 90s. I expected Baz Luhrmann to start like dropping no, I, some lyrics. I really I really dig, I, I like I like. I like the score a lot. I, like, no, I, like I think the music, it's unique. But it sounds very uh, it sounds very 90s in its theme. Like the you know the one thing I like. The, the beats, maybe the... <laughs> well, I like that this movie combines like electronic beats with an orchestral score, and I like think it's Hoosiers. <laughs> that's me doing an impression of the Hoosier score. That's, no, no, that's you doing um, an impression of us doing an impression of the Hoosier score. That's you doing an impression of Mike doing an impression of me. <laughs> doing the Hoosier score. No, I, I agree. I think that the time remapping stuff does look dated. Uh, I think it's a, it's the nature of watching a movie where After 300 comes and destroys that trope for everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it kind of feels... Uh, that was the reverse. That was regular speed to slow motion I think but I think that movie did it for the first time where it was like hyper slow motion where sure. it was like shot with like what it, we had the technology to shoot such high frame rates that right. it allows you to get like this crazy right, like right. that uh, I don't know the speed ramping stuff doesn't totally hold up but the thing that makes this movie hold up in a lot of ways is that there it's 
there's literally no special effects. Mm. So there's no there's no opportunity for things to look shitty. Right. Uh, like you know, there's no there's no Bruce Willis shooting green bolts out of his fingers or oh, something God, that would make so it bad. look stupid. Right. Uh, which yeah. is what you I think. Definitely give him that. I mean, it's a it, the movie doesn't feel dated with effects at all. And I like that so too because know. he even talks about uh, Samuel L. Jackson talks about the fact that like comics are really just like a, an exaggeration of real life. So if he started going really crazy with doing these supernatural things and it would look it would kind of defeat its own purpose like he's saying that comics are really there they have a nugget of truth in them but they're not really quite like this it's just people who have stronger or normal abilities but can do so or i guess with the exception of the telekine uh the the being able to pick things up on by touch or whatever but um one th- so i mean there's just one there's one scene that for me that stood out and, I, and again i'm coming back to a flaw, a as flaw bad or good as yeah. as as bad, okay, unfortunately, because you brought up a lot of the good scenes, like the weightlifting scene, it's one, you know, and the uh, the ending fight scene. I think those two scenes are really some great uh, filmmaking. Uh, but when it comes to a lot of the the, the family stuff, the, there's a scene where he is in his bedroom, and it's clear they're sleeping in two separate bedrooms at this point. Uh, he opens the door, and there and it's like it's supposed to be a little bit of a healing moment where his wife is speaking to him about, and I can't remember exactly what the conversation is about, but it's if he's a, ever had slept with anybody else, yeah. That. Right, right. Yeah, she's she's unclear as to why you know everything's gone to shit. I guess, and uh, you know that scene is shot. It's you know I understand the need to, for for minimal minimalist filmmaking and, and and you know only showing what you need to show, but I think he does he shoots it over his shoulder. It's just his back, and it's supposed to be Robin Wright just giving a speech and and him barely reacting. But it, it, for me, it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't, it and it's supposed me. to. It, it's well. I mean, it's. Just, what does? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how. I mean, because it, it just <laughs> okay. doesn't really. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> sorry. It just doesn't. It, Go ahead, <laughs> well, I know what it's supposed to be doing, but it's it's like we don't see his reaction at all, and, and we're I know we're supposed to be seeing it from his point of view, but we need to see. No, but a, see, some that, that of his shot, reaction. That shot is all about how he's been closed off to his wife, so you don't see him. You're just seeing her putting herself out there, and you're just seeing his back. You're not seeing anything about yeah. him. It's, it, I think it creates the the. It's visually explaining the problem. He doesn't even get to respond to her, and then she kind of just leaves after she asks him the question and doesn't get an answer, and then just kind of walks away. Um, I think that that I, seems just, I found it frustrating to. No, to watch. I, I kind of agree no, with Mike here. I think I think there's a point to it. I think he's they're trying to they I, maybe there's a point to the way he shot it, but there's it doesn't a lot work. Of shots that are like that, but I think that's done purposely because they want you to. Bruce feel Willis's that character of, is a vessel. He's an empty vessel. <laughs> I guess he's an empty vessel, but it's just it, you know the dialogue and the um, the way I, I, it, it doesn't feel like it was the best take or something. There's, there's something wrong with it where it doesn't really, you know it. There, there are this kind of filmmaking. This to your point, there's a lot of shots that I think are sl- like the, all the interesting shots of the you know the the TV screen and the over the body breathing bleeding thing and the you know mm-hmm. in between the train uh, seats. There's a lot of shots that were very frustrating for me as a viewer because I expect things to be fast cuts of of, of close ups and dynamic shots, and they don't do that. And I think again, it's 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 there's a reason for it, and I think that feeling of frustration is what he kind of wants you to feel on some degree um, because that, that is supposed to be like a frustrating scene. That's kind of what, what I took from it. And that's why I like it because they do things like that. Um, well, yeah, but it's frustrating. That I don't know. Some, some of this movie is frustrating in the way that makes it work. Like, um, But see, this is... You know, for instance, say, say the scene where... There's the scene where... We didn't talk about much about the scene where he's pointing... Where the kid wants his dad to believe in himself so badly that he's pointing a, a loaded gun. Right? That scene that doesn't scene, work for me. I'm sorry. That, you know what? That scene works for me. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> that, that scene, I'm okay with. And, and uh, you know, I, I, there's there, that, that scene has energy. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I guess 
the scene the scenes that are supposed to be the kind that I like don't work for me. Well, that's, you know? I think that your issue with this movie, based on what you're saying, is that the family dynamic of the movie, the, your thesis is the family dynamic he's trying to create isn't developed enough where it actually resonates with you. Is that is that, yes. is that basically your issue with Unbreakable? It's got so. nothing to do with the superhero aspect of the movie. Right. It's, it's Until the, the end, which is ridiculous. Well, but, it's, yeah. it's just that the if he just literally just had Bruce Willis walk out Yes. And the movie that ended. Been fine. And you would have been like, okay, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> right. I have like I don't even like the opening of the movie. I actually I hate the opening title cards where it's like comic books or so and so it's like thanks Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, it's the Tarantino thing. It's well, like it doesn't where, it's where just they, they he just start the damn movie. And I don't think that that Oh, was... dude, you don't think that sh- that opening scene is it's all that that single one shot where it's uh the baby in oh, the no, reflection. I think, I think it's shot very cool. And again, it's reflection. I like the fact they're showing that reflection. Oh yeah, I like that opening scene. That opening yeah. scene's amazing, and then yeah. the music comes in. It's like mm-hmm. like it slowly builds at the yeah. end of that sequence, and it's but I, just. I don't know. I think I, maybe it focuses on him, but the movie's really about Bruce Willis, so you don't really see him again until. Is it though? Is it? I actually. I think it was it was fine, whatever. But I think if we're talking about things that we could have gotten rid of, or maybe just weren't. I think that the op- the opening sequence still gives me chills. Uh, see that scene is shot in the same way in, in a lot of ways as the scene I was just talking about with his him in in his room and her in the hallway. Where, but for me, it works for that. It works for this opening scene where it's like, okay, it's in the mirror. You you know you, you're you're able to actually uh, it establishes the space between the characters and what's going on, and uh, it works. You know, but. You know, in other, in other instances, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, I just don't think that uh, a, lot, a lot of the family stuff just doesn't make any sense to me. One, so. of the, one of the things I like is that, for the most part, the movie is pretty drab and dark. And um, they bring in pops of color for very specific points. Um, we we mm-hmm, talked a little bit sure. about the, the guy in the orange jumpsuit, which is, like, so loudly, brightly colored. Um but you also have what's his name, Mister Glass has uh, Mister Brittlebones has got a lot of uh, <laughs> you know the the same thing. He's got some in, you know bright purple interior green. Um, and again, I like it because those are the elements. Like the real world is like the real world, and then you have the elements mm-hmm. of anytime anything is uh, the heightened, right? Heightened. heightened or comic book, or you know, referring to this this archetypal world of of good and evil and, and supernatural stuff. It's always brightly colored. And I, I don't think, and I, I maybe unless I'm missing it, I don't think any particular color had any specific meaning to it. I think it was just the use of saturated color was kind of like the the thing that they were going for. Because I know Sixth Sense did something similar with the color red. I think right, like there was the red yeah. represented the supernatural world or something like that, death or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, I, anyway. I, I I really liked it. I think like I liked the fact that they had a lot of visual storytelling going on um, to the point where I'm actually very interested, actually, because Dave, you. You are somebody who knows how a movie should be shot and should be framed, and you know. I, I wouldn't know how to make a movie, but I can. No, 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 but you know, you've seen enough stuff where you know what's you know. Oh, they needed a cut in there, or you don't get to see his face, or that's frustrating. I wonder if right. if the average viewer who doesn't know these kinds of things how they feel when they watch these. They might not know something is wrong, but they probably feel like that frustration of like I want to see his face. They might not be aware of the fact that they're not seeing his face, but they just know that like. Normally, the movie would show something at this point, and I can't see his face. You know, what I mean? like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I think to the average moviegoer would be a lot more subliminal and frustrating. And I think for them, it's not a bad movie. Like we all look at this as like, oh, that's a bad shot, or we, you know, we should have had more. But for the average person who doesn't know these things, I think it has the attendant effect. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's possible, but uh, who's to say? I guess. I mean, I guess Us, it works because we're, we're you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do this. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting how we're having 
kind of three different reactions here. No, I think it's, it's actually really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, I don't think that there are three different reactions. But I, I think mean, I still I have to I should say that I, I really do respect this movie and enjoy this movie as a, as a thought. I think he's a thoughtful filmmaker, an interesting filmmaker. Um, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm excited to see him continue to make schlocky good movies. Yeah, well, <laughs> because uh, it seems like he's he's reinvented himself. You could he, say Spielberg was was the same was doing the same thing early in his career. Well, right? I just think is, it's which is why they were comparing with the, him to with Spielberg. the Blumhouse model with Visit and Split, which have both done well. It's right. like he's found his voice making movies that sh- like cheesy movies, but art artfully raising them. Like right. like there's a certain ridiculousness, you know, about aliens invading a cornfield, but mm. he somehow. He raises it, uh, so I don't know. We'll the, see. Cons- the, const- the constraints are helping him. Which I'm just gonna—I'm really looking forward to that day when everyone, uh, when I can say that I was an M Night Shyamalan fan all along, and he wins an Oscar <laughs> in like ten years for some schlocky horror movie he makes. But anyway, uh, any final thoughts about this movie as we close her on out? I don't think so. I think I said it. Uh, I think we—I think we did it. I think we did her. I think she's done. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? We're not going to talk about our next movie? No. We're just going to say internet. Okay. Wait, Dave wait. Glanz on Twitter, G L A N Z. What movie are we doing again? DaveGlanzProductions.com, Portfolio. What movie are we doing? Uh, I think we're going to do Beauty and the Beast. We're going to do Beauty and the Beast because when does the live action one come out? Like soon, uh, right? Uh, a month, I think. So yeah, we're going to do... A little uh, bit of jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, yeah, we're going to do the animated classic, Beauty and the Beast. Um, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, at Mike Morandi, or you can find me on the web at... MikeMirandi.com. I just burped into the mic. I'm sorry. No, no, uh, you can find me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Ivan Kander. You can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter. That's K-A-N-D-E-R. My Facebook, or sorry, not Facebook. My website Ooh. is Lucky9Studios.com. And uh, I don't actually visit Facebook as much as I used to um, because I kind of hate <laughs> not it. Not anymore. Um, nope. <laughs> well, you, you post the uh, episodes of the show. I do. That's like that's basically <laughs> everything I post on Facebook. Um, and... Uh, I write and edit for a website called shortoftheweek.com. So, yeah, that's all our stuff. This is the Reviewed Podcast. You can find us at reviewpodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe uh, to us on iTunes so you can get the newest episodes. Uh, And after I just badmouth Facebook, you can like us on Facebook at (laughs) facebook.com. You didn't badmouth it. You just didn't use it. I just don't use it as much as I used to um, because – Your fake social news. You're fake. It's a terrible organization. Yeah, it's terrible. It's all fake. All right, cool, guys. Uh, We will see everyone next time. What are we doing for the next movie? We don't know yet. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Pay attention. Yep, 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 yep. Cool. I was testing. I was testing you guys. Oh, yes. All right. Mr. Doesn't Listen. Testing your resolve. Mr. Brittlebones. Um, <laughs> Mike, are you uh, you good? I've been I've been good, son. All right. Okay. Right. If you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. What? I got ninety nine problems. For the bitch ain't one. <laughs> bitch ain't one. Hit me. All right, ready? Oh yeah. The year is ninety four, and my trunk was raw. In the rear view mirror is the motherfucking law. <laughs> got two um. Right. I know every word to that song. I'm, All right, I'm here we go. proud oh, and wow. sad it's for very, you. It's very impressive. <laughs>